0: Thanks. It is great to be here with you. We're going to look at Psalm 48. Um, I don't have the page number for you, but if Psalm 24 was 555, it'll be a bit on from that. Um, You should be able to find it by following the numbers. Uh, But it's Psalm 48 that I've picked. Uh, We realise you're a little bit in the dark, uh, so don't worry if you can't follow it. I'm going to read it all through first. So Psalm 48. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise in the city of our God, his holy mountain. It is beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth. Like the utmost heights of Zaphon is Mount Zion, the city of the great king. God is in her citadels. He has shown himself to be her fortress. When the kings joined forces, when they advanced together, they saw her and were astounded. They fled in terror. Trembling seized them there. Pain like that of a woman in labor, you destroyed them like ships of Tarshish, shattered by an east wind. As we have heard, so have we seen, in the city of the Lord Almighty, in the city of our God. God makes us secure forever. Within your temple, O God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Like your name, O God, your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. Mount Zion rejoices, the villages of Judah are glad because of your judgments. Walk around Zion, go round her, count her towers, consider well her ramparts, view her citadels, that you may tell of them to the next generation. For this God is our God, forever and ever. He will be our guide even to the end. Lots of people, since arriving at Aldridge, ask me what I miss most about the North East. And you know, when you've done all the normal things about missing, you know, friends and family and certain food groups, uh, there are things that I miss. And one of them is the sea. I really miss the furthest I've ever lived away from the sea is 10 whole minutes. So to be here is a little bit longer drive to the sea. I haven't even ventured. It's nine months since I saw the sea. I'm getting desperate. Uh, And lots of people go, oh, it must be so wonderful to live near the sea. And it's one of those things, you don't really notice it until you're gone. Uh, My last house was less than 10 minutes drive. I would take the dog down. We'd go every week. The dog would love running in the sea. And I would love, uh, we don't like telling people about the northeast, but it's really nice don't go. We like it because it's quiet. Uh, And we like it because our beaches are great. And I could walk for three miles along a golden sandy beach. I'm not going to promise it was sunny. Uh, But I could walk for three miles with a dog and not see anyone if I didn't want to. It's beautiful. Don't go. Uh, I love it. And people go, what an amazing place to worship God with. And I'd be like, Yeah, I I guess so, it's all right. Uh, And they would say, and I'd talk to my Christian friends and they'd go, oh, I just love being near the sea. I feel God's presence is there. And they'd talk about these profound encounters that they had with God while walking along the sand. And other people would tell me about the amazing time that they'd have when they go to Holy Island, Lindisfarne, and they'd meet with God there, this ancient place of prayer and worship where people feel that God's presence is just there when you cross the causeway. I've never felt any of those things near the sea or on Lindisfarne. It's lovely, feel free to go. I can tell you when the good times are, when the tourists aren't there. But they're great places to meet. Loads of people go and they feel like they can worship God with a freedom that they don't have the rest of the time. I've never felt that in those places. For me, the place where I meet God the most is an escalator in a train station. And it's in Gateshead Metro Station, and on that escalator, that is my place where the sky feels thin. And it feels like me and God could worship on there. I got to know the inspectors in that train station very well because it was not unusual for me to go up and down this escalator several times on one day because I just felt there was something of God in that place. And so those opening words of that psalm, Great is the Lord, most worthy of praise, I could sing any day on that escalator occasionally have been known to. I won't tell you when. But I missed that. I missed that place that I knew that whatever happened, I could meet with God. There was a freedom there that not everyone else got. I don't think I've met any other person who's had a profound encounter on an escalator. But for me, it was just a glorious place where me and Jesus could chat and meet and sing and pray and do all of those things. And other people have those places i don 't know whether you class the airport as your place in Aldridge where you can meet Jesus or you have some chair in your living room that you think is just the place where you have a freedom to worship or whether you find it in this service or another. But we often have these places where we find a wonderful sense of God's presence. And we find it easy to shout from the rooftops, great is the Lord. Those first few verses in the Psalm, he is be- it is beautiful in its loftiness, the joy of the whole earth. They're talking about this city of God, this promise that they've had. that actually they can come together and find their own place in the love of God. It's a wonderful thing. And when we're in those moments, It's amazing. But the thing is, the majority of our life is not lived on top of these huge mountaintop experiences where we see the gloriousness of God. And sometimes we long for it in a way that is profound and we chase after it and that's great. Who doesn't want to be in a place where we can suddenly say, God is here? But for most of us, most of the time, life is a bit more normal. I have yet to find an escalator in Aldridge. Maybe you can tell me later. I've yet to find that place 10 months in. But for most of us, life is fairly normal. And we have good days with God when we feel like we can worship, and we have bad days where we feel like we'd rather have our eyes porked out on cocktail sticks. And we have some time in the middle. And we feel this normalness of worship. And some days, we just find it narrow and impossible to worship we walk into a service like this and someone we don't like sits in our chair and we sit there thinking I'd rather be anywhere else right now or we're thinking about what is on the telly when we get in will I be able to watch the strictly results and x-factor results in time this evening or will someone tell me who's out before I get there we're thinking of anything but the God that we long to worship and sometimes it gets so bad that we feel like we're on the opposite side of this psalm. When the psalm goes on in verse 4, when the kings joined forces, when they advanced together, they saw her and were astounded. They fled in terror. Trembling seized them there, pain like that woman in labour. And this is the psalmist talking about how great it feels to be on the good side and pointing at all the others, going, Look, they feel awful. It's not working. Things are going really badly. And sometimes we feel like we're on the wrong side, that God has left us, that actually things have gone wrong. God, where are you? If you are as great as those first few verses remind us of, where have you been? While well, I've watched this happen, while well, I've been in pain, while well, I've watched my friends suffer, While well, I've turned on the news and it just seems empty again. We come to worship as broken people. And on a good day, we get half a hallelujah out before we realize what else is going on. It's great when we have these mountaintop escalator moments, but how do we worship when we feel that the world is broken, when we feel like we're broken? We always have a choice when we come to worship, we come to God to worship, we declare that, we ask God to speak to us as we gather today. But we always have a choice. We choose to pretend that it's all fine. We're all brilliant at pretending. Most of us are never going to be actors and actresses, but most of us are incredibly good at telling everyone we're fine when we're really not. Do we pretend when we come to worship, or are we honest with the God we come with? One of the things that really grates me when we pray before services is when people t- uh, pray that they, uh, people come to worship and we leave all that's happened in the week behind. We don't. If you are in pain and your friends are in pain, you cannot just switch off those feelings. They don't go away just because we've gathered in worship. We come to worship with all of that stuff. And the question is, what do we do with it when we get here? Do we shove it in front of us and go, you know what, God? No way. Not talking to you today. Life's too bad. Do we leave it at the door and pretend it's not going on? I'm just going to have a moment to escape the world around me. God tells us to bring it, to bring all that's happening, to bring all of it to Him in worship. Sometimes that means we can't say, Lord, you're great. Sometimes what we say in worship is, Lord, this is how it is. The psalm goes on. After it's talked uh, a little about uh, this enemy that they're facing and how awful it is for them. Within your temple, in verse 9, oh God, we meditate on your unfailing love. Like your name, O God, your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with righteousness. We choose to come to worship and we choose to remember God's promises even when we can't quite feel that they're real yet, even when we feel that they might be broken, because we come as a community to know that those promises are true, to know that even in our broken hallelujahs, we sing to a God who holds fast to his promise. We come with all of our brokenness and all of our world and say, God, this is how it is today. I will declare that great is the Lord and most worthy of praise, even when the world is failing about us. When I was first ordained, one of the jobs that I loved and never expected to was when you set the table for communion. I wasn't allowed to do communion yet. You have that first year where you're not. And uh, my job was to set the table. And it felt like I was about seven again, had chores to do. And I would set the table, and I hated it for a little while, but it became one of those moments where I really met with God, that actually our job when we lead things is to set a table, to allow us to participate in a meal that God gives us. Anyone who stands at the front here sets a table, but we choose to set our table to say, God, this is what's on our plates today, this is what's happening And our choice is whether we run away from God and pretend that it's not happening and we don't want to talk to him and we'll put on our smiling church faces or we choose to say, God, this is how it is and I will feast at your table knowing that I haven't solved it all yet but I know that your promises are good. We meditate on God's unfailing love when we gather in church to remind ourselves that it hasn't failed. When it feels broken, we come together to hear each other say, God's love is never ending. God's love is never failing. We come together as a body because when we can't sing our hallelujah, the person next to us can. When they can only sing one part, we can sing the next. We come together to worship, to remind ourselves of those great promises of who God is just want to look at the last verse verse 14 for this God is our God forever and ever he will be our guide even to the end when it talks about even to the end we instantly think of the end of life you know we know God lives forever we're quite happy and quite casual with some of the promises that God gives us God's love is never failing never ending In Hebrew, those words translate as two different things, over death and driving. God's love will go driving us over death. Even when the pain is so intense, it causes us death. God's love says, I will drive over it. We come to worship to be honest. There's something wonderful about being honest with God. When I talk to people about prayer for the first time, the thing I say is it's the best time to be honest. If we believe in a God who knows what we're thinking, then why on earth do we pretend that we're not thinking what we are? God knows how we feel. God knows when we come to worship and we have been on the top of the escalator. And God knows when we come to worship and we've never even seen it in 10 months. God knows that as we worship, we stop pretending about who we are and who God is. We're honest with where we are at, whether that is a mountaintop place or the depths of a dark valley. But we're honest about who God is. We declare that he is great. We meditate on his unfailing love and we remember that his love drives over death. Tonight is a chance to worship it's a night to remember all of those promises that we've sung already, and there are many more that we'll sing. But we remember that we're called to be honest. So whether we come to worship full of joy, we're honest about it. If we come to worship full of pain, we're honest about it, and we remember those promises, and we hold on to them for dear life. We come together to remind ourselves that even when our hallelujah is broken, we still have a part in a broken hallelujah that together makes a whole. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the many great promises you give us, for the many truths that we declare in our songs and in our words. We remember that you're a God who calls us to be honest, who knows our every thought and every deed. As we continue to worship, help us to be a people who are honest, a people who bring to you our joy and our pain, who bring you our lives and don't leave them at the door to be ignored, but ask you God to speak to it to bring healing when we're broken, to bring healing to those we love who are broken, to bring healing to our world, to share in the joy of knowing you, to tell of your love from generation to generation, that we may know your love who drives over death, that we might know the freedom that you bring us as we're honest in our worship. Help us to sing tonight our broken hallelujahs, to know the promise that great is our Lord.